0: G'day everyone, welcome
1: to this week's episode of Swiss Pats. I am Susie Lyon, and joining me is Don Delco. G'day Don.
2: Good day, Susie, how are you?
1: I'm awesome, thanks
2: for asking. You stole my pen, but I'm not bitter about it.
1: Okay, well maybe that's why I'm so happy. We have an awesome episode ready for you today. We have got a guest, Margaret Ertig-Davison. She is the writer of Beyond Chocolate, but she's uh, done something interesting. She's rewritten her book and she's called it The New Beyond Chocolate, Understanding Swiss Culture. So we have her as a guest and uh, lots of information about her upcoming release of that book, as well as a kind of a panel slash uh, book signing event happening at the end of April.
2: You'd be good to sign books is that pen. It's a really good pen.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you think so. So stay tuned for uh, Margaret's interview. It's a good one. But uh, we're going to ignore the fact that I stole your pen, Don, and we're going to move on to something, uh, something else. What have you got for us?
2: I, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know.
1: You're so angry.
2: It's just such a good pen.
1: Hey, listen. You know, you snooze, you lose. That's what I say.
2: It's from the Deer Path Inn in Chicago, in North Chicago, which, by the way, is Haunted. <laughs>
1: oh do you believe in ghosts
2: i don't know but Lindsay stayed there a lot she hasn't seen any ghosts but the time i stayed there it has like a yeah this place is haunted kind of feel to it
1: yeah i wonder if maybe that's why my house feels haunted because this pen is in my house wow
2: yeah but it's a no you're just trying to keep the pen it's a good pen. No, no,
1: you can have it back. I want you, the pen back. You reckon that my house is haunted, and I'm saying it's your pen that's the reason. You can take this home with you, and then you can take your, what do you call it? Bad juju. You can take it with you.
2: Okay. Yeah? <laughs> and stick it where the sun doesn't shine. Yeah, exactly. Just saying, there's been a lot of things happening in your house, from falling downstairs to kids getting sick to just, I don't know. The doors open
1: on their own. Do you know? Did you know that one?
2: Your doors open on their. The doors
1: in my house, yeah, they just go and they creak as well. So, like they they'll pop open and then they'll just creak Mm -hmm. a little bit.
2: It's a bit. That's a bit creepy.
1: So I used to have like a true belief in ghosts, like a an actual like I believed in them. Never seen a ghost. I just I believed. I had faith in ghosts. I was like, of course, ghosts are real.
2: But why does it seem like every ghost died in like the eighteen fifty to nineteen hundred area. Like where are the ghosts from like that died like two years ago or the ghosts that are like cavemen that are going Haven't like you uh, seen uh, uh.
1: Sixth Sense? I mean they've got old ghosts and new ghosts.
2: I think I've seen that movie. Yeah, I have seen that movie. Yeah. I did and it ruined a date. But that's um, because I called it way early in the movie and I said Oh he's dead. She was like, You seen this movie before? I'm like, No, she was mad. You are the worst. It was not It was not a good date.
1: Well, anyway, I don't Sorry, believe... Sorry, Chrissy. <laughs> Her name was Chrissy. Poor Chrissy. It was, yeah. But she tells a similar story about the worst date that she went on with for some idiot who ruined the movie. <laughs>
2: Probably. Yeah.
1: But I don't believe in ghosts anymore.
2: So what happened?
1: Nothing happened. I just don't believe in them.
2: Just stop believing in them. I
1: I just... I mean, this was recently. Like, a couple of years ago, I stopped believing as an adult, I stopped believing. But when I was a police officer, we had to do, on our first day of training, we had to do like a, um, you know, like an icebreaker. And, you know, I, I didn't know any of the people in the room. There was like 20 of us that were sure. training to be police officers. And I think we had to do, I'm pretty sure it was like name two things that are true and one that's not true. Okay. And my, I don't remember what my my, my lie was, but my true ones were, I believe in ghosts, and I love Judge Judy. Okay. that They were my true ones. And people, there was a few people that were mad at me for believing in ghosts. They were like, you can't, you can't, you, you that, you, how can you? Science. And I was like, yeah, I just believe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and nobody and then was upset like, about the Judge Judy years thing? Years
1: later, they would run into me and be like, do you still believe in ghosts? I'd be like, yeah, I believe in ghosts.
2: Yeah, you kind of branded yourself as is that yeah. when you do that on like yeah. an icebreaker, and and Judge Judy think everybody was cool with that. Nobody, no,
1: no, no one was cool with that. Um But they just, you know, they, I, I, can't, I yeah, I love Judge Judy. There's not you still, you're still, yeah, I'm okay. still a big Judge Judy fan. Maybe a few years down the, the the road, I'll stop being a Judge Judy fan. But for right now, I'm I'm still a fan.
2: She's probably been on there a while. She's still got her fastball. She's still.
1: She has been on on TV for like twenty years. Wow! Yeah, she's really, really successful judge before she was on TV. She wasn't some TV judge before Judge that. Wapner. I don't know who that is.
2: The People's Court, like the original Judge Show, was no.
1: I, I, I Judge Judy's the only one for me. Oh, excuse me. I don't know any other of the others.
2: Well, I don't know if Judge Judy is on uh, on Swiss TV. I don't. I don't know. How do you watch Judge Judy? I have to watch it on YouTube. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's too bad. Well, uh, f- those you know, those questions you may have when you move to a new country, like where can <laughs> like, I, where find, can I watch Judge Judy? Where can I watch Judge Judy?
1: Do the Swiss do that? Do the Swiss believe in ghosts?
2: Exactly. All these questions. Where does Don get his awesome pens? Like, these just questions. This, you know, how can I steal his pens? But anyway, uh, Switzerland tourism is a very good. Uh, a resource, I think. Uh, a lot of cities have them. You can stop in there and talk to them. They're very nice. But I just noticed that uh, on newlyswiss.com, they, uh, the Switzerland Tourism has a welcome kit. Oh. What do you Yeah, think? So it's free for all expats. Isn't that cool? And they put together kind of, uh, there's a lot of brochures in there, but like important ones, uh, depending on summer or winter. And Just kind of an idea on uh, hotels and travel system map, uh what's going on. So it's it's a neat little kit to kind of get your mind around like where am I? What's going on? Um so yeah, I I saw it. It's it seems pretty cool. Uh myswitzerland.com slash expats. And uh yeah, if you're if you're new to the country and, and want something some swag from the Switzerland tourism. It's pretty cool.
1: I mean, I want it, and I'm not even new. No, no. Mainly because I'm hoping like they, they shove they shove in a few chocolates and stuff and some lacquery.
2: See, do you yeah. think there's some of that? I don't think so. I'm like, it hey. looks like it comes in like a little happy meal thing where you're like, ooh, maybe there's, but it just looks like it's brochures. Ah, but I love a freebie. Right, it's free stuff. Who doesn't love free stuff?
1: So all of the tourist offices do this.
2: You just go to, like, yeah, myswitzerland.com slash expats, and uh, there's all kinds of, like, if you go to that thing, there's all kinds of stuff in there about um, things to do. Now it's, like, winter, like, where to learn to ski and snow reports and all that stuff, but it flips for summer, so it's pretty cool.
1: What are you talking about? It's not winter. It's spring.
2: Well, okay, spring. Sorry. Let's get technical. (laughs) Technically, spring, yeah, March...
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you just said now that it's winter, you where to ski. We just what? had the skiing season. It's done. It's over. Live in the now, Don.
2: <laughs> Live in the Were now. you gonna pretend like I didn't notice that was my pen?
1: Let's uh, get to the interview, Don. Let's forget about the pen. It's mine
2: now. Okay, we'll get to the interview. Uh, it is. Uh, she came and stopped by. Margaret was a. Uh, she's been here kind of like our last week with Janine. She's been yeah. in Switzerland a long time.
1: Yeah, we're we're like like fresh off the boat compared to to our last couple of guests.
2: Yeah. So let's get to the interview. It's uh, her name is Margaret Ortig Davidson. I apologize if I mispronounce that. She's the author of the new Beyond Chocolate. Out now by Burgley Books, so check it out. You're late. All right, and joining us now is author Margaret Ertig-Davidson. How did I do?
0: Very well, yeah, that was
2: good. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Margaret, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Now, you are are here with us because you have a new book coming out. That's right, yes. yes. Can, you, uh, can you explain uh, the name of the new book and what it's about?
0: Yeah, the book is called The New Beyond Chocolate, um, it's completely updated, a new version of an older topic. I wrote a book called Beyond Chocolate, Understanding Swiss Culture in 2002. And this one is completely up to date with new interviews, new insights about uh, what it's like to live in Switzerland as someone coming from abroad. Some of the unseen differences or things that you don't understand at first are explained in the book.
2: Now, you ha- you moved here when?
0: nineteen eighty seven. Okay. Yeah. I met my Swiss husband in a language school. I was teaching English in a school in England and he took he me He was a student. He was a student, oh, yeah. And well. he, he, he took me home instead of a dictionary <laughs> as a a long term investment. So I, I came in eighty seven. And at that time the only bookshop in Basel, Tanner, it was called, Bidder and Tanner is now, but Tanner, it had one shelf with books in English, you know, a dictionary, a Bible, a few Grishams, and things like that. <laughs> uh, that was kind of the, the sum total of uh, expat access to, to English language. So Bitter books.
2: brought along the English? Uh, Language or um,
0: no, they merged and the whole thing just grew more and more people. I think there was globalization; more and more people came into the companies in Basel from all over the world, and a whole lot of English-speaking people. It just grew,
2: but just in general, yeah. English wasn't a, a very it wasn't as common as you would hear today from from other no, people. I've that's talked right. To that's right. That exactly.
0: Time. Well, yeah, it wasn't as common, and the Swiss didn't speak very good English. I mean, in Basel, they learned it as their third language. A lot of them just did two years at school, so it really wasn't. Um, they weren't good at it. I worked in Hoffman-La Roche as an English teacher, and that was how I got into the intercultural topic. And um, we had 27 teachers, and 20 of them were teaching English <laughs> to try and bring people up to the level that they could, you know, go into a meeting and speak to English-speaking bosses. They were usually bosses at the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Um, so
2: uh, when the the book that, that you wrote back in O two. Um, a lot of it, you know, again, the, the Beyond Chocolate, the idea of understanding, you know, the differences, right, between mm-hmm. English speaking mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. Swiss culture. Um, you got here in 87. You wrote the book in 02. Was it, how long did it take you to um, really kind of get a grasp on these things to write the book, the first book? Mm-hmm. Or was it mm-hmm. just you learned it as you were writing the book?
0: Um, I, I learned it. Actually, I knew there were differences. I knew there were cultural differences. I talked too much everywhere I went. I went into shops and tried to chat to shopkeepers. Partly because I was teaching the evening. My husband was working during the day. I wasn't really talking to anybody, so I tried to make friends with shop, <laughs> shop assistants. And I would tell them things about myself and how I was decorating the flat. And they would go, ah yeah," <laughs> you know, kind of say, <laughs> so, what am I supposed to do with this information? And, uh, you know, I, I stopped doing that. And so there was a phase when I just felt a bit out of sync, and that took quite a long time. But then once I had kids, started to get to know local people and then discovered I was developing good relationships with people, and it seemed to be much more strictly categorized instead of just kind of everybody's a potential friend or you talk to everybody like a friend it's more like you talk formally to people you don't know and then you really can kind of open up to people who are friends so I think that's kind of how it began that I was aware of that and then in Hoffman La I started um, teaching Japanese people and finding they sometimes were not being heard in meetings in Basel because they were waiting for a quiet moment to start to speak and there were no quiet moments. Everybody was talking over each other. And through working on that topic to try and design courses for them, I then realised we need courses for the Westerners to give the Japanese a chance to speak. So I designed courses for that. And in the end of these English-speaking people in my courses were saying, yeah, but what about the Swiss? They're weird too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) 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 yeah, I said, well, you know, could be you're the weird one, you know, and that also got me thinking, you know, who's right, who's wrong? And I realised it's, no one's right, no one's wrong, but there's very good reasons for everybody um, in behaving the way they do it. You know, it's connected
1: in with their whole community and their whole society. And is that where, like, your kind of inspiration to, to get the book um, published came from, like, the, the working environment and seeing those kind of different um, interactions with I think people?
0: I think in the working environment, I was able to be objective about it, because I was designing courses, but in my private life, it, impacted on me much more. You know, it's very important. If you feel you, go, you can go for three days without speaking to anybody more than a Gruetzi and a you, mm-hmm. it's quite, um, it can be quite hard. So I think in my private environment, um, it meant much more to me. It was a really important topic. And what happened was I started doing courses in a Basel university. It's called um, University of Applied Sciences. And we had a, an article written by me in a newspaper and Diane Dix the she was the um, the editor she was the owner of Berkeley books she was painting a bench and some paint dripped onto this article I like, oh i know her <laughs> So, and she was doing a monthly talk party in Bida and Tanner at the time and invited me to give a talk on culture. So I chose politeness because by that time I'd realised there were quite important differences in what, what is polite, you know, is it polite to greet somebody formally with their surname and so on, or is it polite to very quickly make them feel welcome and make them feel belo- they belong and so on. And 70 people came to the talk party and they talked and they talked and they talked and they had so many stories and that was, she got the idea for the book book. and she said she'd like me to write a book on etiquette in Switzerland and I thought well I want these people to be in the book because everybody's you know bringing so many interesting stories like even the telephone dance you know that you get on the phone and um, you know somebody picks up the phone says um, uh, what is it they say Neuenschwander they say their name and you have to use their name when you're answering them so it's a bit like a for example, it was a doctor's surgery, you'd say, Neuen Neuenschwander and you're supposed to actually say, Grutzi, Frau Neuenschwander, Ertig you know and <laughs> it's it's kind of um and if you're new, you 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 know, you d- know, you don't yeah. you don't know, you don't say anything, you just start to say what you want and then they go kind of say Frau Ertig, you know, and you, you said, oh, there's something funny here. They know I didn't quite dance correctly. And it was somebody in that talk party that gave me the idea of the dance. So then I interviewed him and, you know, used that in the book. So I tried to find.
1: That's interesting because um, actually, as a, as a very poor speaking, German speaking person, I avoid telephone calls at all costs. Yeah. Because I have you've sensed there's a ritual going on there. I always yeah, I I always (laughs) kind of I I dread it. I Uh, absolutely dread it. And uh, I actually uh. recently drove all the way to (laughs) Leisdale to for speak to somebody to speak in person because <laughs> I was it. too scared to do <laughs> okay. it on the phone like I was like oh I can't do this on the phone I'm just gonna yeah.
0: get in the car and drive. I mean they really should do that as lesson one two three and four in language school shouldn't yes. they for four, yeah. four, every week for four weeks you just practice the dance test. exactly it should be like a practical <laughs> test where there's yeah. phones in
1: front of you yeah. you have to pick up and make a phone no, call but the
0: thing is it was 10 years before I got the full thing you know so it's
1: uh, yeah it takes a while mm-hmm. um mm. how I, I want to go back a little bit to to what something that you kind of touched on briefly before How long did it kind of uh, take for you to feel like, you know, you understood all of these things, um, you know, about Swiss life? Because, you know, you you mentioned uh, you have a Swiss husband, so Mm -hmm. you kind of have Mm -hmm. like a little bit of an edge that, say, Don and I don't Mm -hmm. have – we married to mm, nonsense people mm-hmm. did you feel like you had a little bit of an advantage in that sense so you could kind of get I think
0: it's a resource my husband knows a lot but never lectures and you know, I'm a teacher I'm always talking and explaining things to people he never lectures but sometimes you you say it says oh yeah and you go well why don't you tell me yeah, so yeah, I so I think, yeah obviously I think something <laughs> that even now has been quite recent writing this book I became even more aware of how people talk here like if in a gathering it's okay not to be speaking it's okay to have a moment of silence and people from english-speaking cultures find that very painful
2: <laughs> very it's very awkward yeah yeah
0: and the thing is if you Don't allow the silence. You will always lead the conversation. You'll always be coming with something else and something else and something else. And what's happening to me now is I must have become more Swiss without noticing. But now if we have people over and they are English speakers, sometimes they will seamlessly cover six or seven different topics. They'll just move from one to the next because obviously I'm sitting thinking about what they said (laughs) instead of jumping in with my own comment. You have to be ready to jump in quite fast. So there's a whole speed thing Going on there, yeah, that's interesting. And that's a, and recently I've met somebody fairly quiet, and sometimes we can sit at meals and just eat. <laughs> you know, the four or five of us are s- sitting at table eating, and um, without speaking, and it's okay. Yeah. And I only really got that in the last two or three years.
1: So it's just like a constant learning curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: think so. And the, you know, okay, having the Swiss husband, he is actually is very. Um, what would you say is very insightful but he doesn't actively uh, share stuff you have to kind of know what you want to ask him yeah. but i do think it helps with having having local yeah having local imp- and my daughters see my my daughters are now 27 and 29 so they've um that they, you know they've become because of my resource they're insiders you know yeah. and they've yeah. been through the whole of childhood adulthood once married and Yes, you've got that as well.
2: Mm. So I've triple-checked my math on this, and oh, yeah. it's been, because math isn't my thing, <laughs> so it's been 17 years in between books. Mm-hmm. What was the onus on writing The New Beyond Chocolate?
0: Um, one of the things was that um, when I was writing the first one, Everybody was really being quite strict about the grüezi for someone you don't know and salut for someone Sally um, in Basel for someone you do know. So you walk down the street and you've got to you know if you meet a neighbour you've got to know is this grüezi for a bookhalter or salut for any. You know you have to know what what you're calling them and mums at that time were teaching their kids just to say hello to everybody because you know kids were having difficulty mm-hmm. with getting it. So they go hello hello hello. So now we've got a whole generation of people in their late 20s that are all going hello (laughs) to everybody of their own age group so you you have this new generation who are not worrying so much about the name thing people are much more comfortable using first names like when i got here i was Frau davidson Frau davidson then i was Frau urtik when i got married and you know it was very formal and now it's it seems much less formal on the surface but what that's actually doing is masking that below the surface local people still have their deep friendships going way back and they're not necessarily in the market for making new friends the way mobile people would be so I felt yeah there are some changes it has to be documented it's not really the same but there are still some things maybe beneath the surface that um, are still different and that people might feel what's wrong with me I'm not making friends quickly and um, actually it's you know it's the way the culture is you had um, a very good
2: uh, analogy um, about an iceberg Mm. right can you kind of explain that um, and how that kind of ties into the new book
0: yeah it I mean it is a classic the idea is that you know your ship's sailing and you see an iceberg coming and the important thing is not the little bit of ice above it it's the huge um, clump of ice beneath it and that sometimes it's like you see you get fragments of ice little bits of ice floating along on the surface that kind of hint to you there is something different going on here and I think that's, that is a good analogy because you might just be picking up bits and pieces. And there's one woman I interviewed from Scotland who said in her team, people were calling, you know, she was, she, she was a leader of a team and she went with her team for, I think it was lunch sometimes and drink sometimes. And I think they called her their colleague or their chief, mm-hmm. or in, as in boss. And she was slightly offended. Nobody called her their friend. <laughs> and that was like a little piece of ice you know, that she wasn't actually in the friendship category because that was something that would represent... Uh, it's not a Facebook friend, it's a kind of more long-term relationship. So that that's how I think the iceberg thing works. Yeah. It's just like a kind of... You see something's going on that's different and it could have, could have some kind of meaning.
2: What have you seen uh, the biggest changes uh, for English speakers? Maybe not just change, but just differences on... You mentioned, you know, how kids, I guess, today greet one another, but how much has this country changed in since you first got here in in 87 i mean have you seen for you know not just just not good or bad just changed what have you yeah, seen yeah
0: yeah i think i think i've seen slow change in quite a few areas and perhaps one of the things that's changed the most when i got here a lot of people had a lot of trouble with being told how to do things you know by strangers in the street and I think that doesn't really happen so much anymore maybe in neighbourhoods it still happens if people feel well I'm living here I have to train this new neighbour they're not getting it with you know with separating their garbage or whatever but I think that's changed quite a lot that people keep themselves to themselves a bit more and tolerate it if someone else is doing something they don't actually think is right On the other hand, I'm still hearing stories about, say, someone parking in the wrong place. Maybe parking, people still get told off, maybe with the rubbish. But it used to be for all kinds of things, you know, that people were being corrected. And I think that's like an older generation that um, has has died out. And young people are cooler about not feeling they've got to help educate um, the the (laughs) photo
1: it's it's interesting because um i have an elderly neighbor who who came out to teach me how to do the recycling for the cardboard and (laughs) and i knew how to do it and actually was like in the process of doing what she was going what she was telling me like she's saying you have to Mm -hmm. put the string Mm -hmm. on it yeah but Mm -hmm. i was like I felt not. I wouldn't say offended. Offended is not the right word because I wasn't offended. I was thankful, mm-hmm. but I was mm-hmm. also like, well, I was going to do that. Yeah, you had to. Work but to it's out be interesting yourself, because yeah. the only other person that has tried to tell me what to do. Was an old lady who told me I had to put a jacket on my daughter. Yeah, exactly That's a, that. So that two times okay, that people like have told me, on, yeah. but they were both nobody uh-huh. you know okay. my age or you know mm-hmm. around you mm-hmm. know kind of parents with ch- children no, has come up to me and weren't. said, oh mm-hmm. you know this is mm-hmm. how you do the recycling or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just been those mm-hmm. two yep. kind of older. Mm-hmm. Older groups of people, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. especially with the jacket with my daughter. Yeah, with the, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's right. That was on my visit to yeah. Switzerland for the first mm-hmm. time and mm-hmm. my daughter refused
0: to wear a jacket. It was November. Mm-hmm so mm-hmm. there's actually there's an expression in that you yes, I wrote this in the first book, but it's not in this book so I felt it had become less important freshly baked parents, Frisch <laughs> and elder and older people who have you know learned everything they've done it and they've done it all they they kind of make a beeline line for the freshly baked parents yes. and we, we used to carry our daughter in a snuggly mm. and people would come up and complain and say she would suffocate and my husband if he had the snuggle he would just say no no look you can see her nose and you Mm -hmm. see the nose you know and the nostrils kind of going around the breathing and um I got very upset and he, he just didn't he just said no they care it's good and I'm going
1: no they're, they're interfering they're insulting yeah. me yeah that's it's the good. it's that kind of weird feeling of like they're trying to tell you something but you already know mm-hmm. but also it is you know you've got to take a step mm-hmm. back and kind of realise mm-hmm. that it mm-hmm. is just helpful information
0: mm-hmm. yeah and th- I mean that takes quite a long time and especially if you are a freshly baked parent you know you're yes. still in that or you're in a new oh, everything's phase everything's offensive then you're in a new phase yeah. and you're going oh, what do I do in this situation then yeah that can be quite hard
1: what are the kind of topics do you cover um in the book either you know the old one the new one what's mm. what's in it that uh, people can can look forward in to the reading? new one
0: what I've done is I've, I've brought to the beginning of the book a topic that was in the last one but it didn't have lots of chapters in the last one I focused a lot on the idea of peaches and coconuts and a peach um, peach culture is where Um, people's interactions it's it's soft on the outside it's easy to get to know someone quickly coconut culture is where it's kind of like a hard exterior but once you're in you're in you know and you have solid relationships that's still in the new book but in the first book it was at the beginning because that was what I experienced as the hardest thing long term I would now say in terms of the local people what they experience as the hardest thing is another topic and that's the topic of being organized and doing what you've said you would do And I I had it in there, kind of chapter 15 or 16, and now I've brought that to the front because I've thought, especially because a lot of people are looking for work. You know, Mm. I I know in my circle of friends, I know quite a few people whose partners have lost their jobs, and they've lost their jobs. You've got a lot of people that come with a partner, would like to get work here, and one of the things that I realised clearly from my interviews from, for this book with Swiss people is you, the impression you make in your private life is who people see you, it's your character And that's also who you would be in your working life. So if you wander in half an hour late to something, say in a pub or something, then they think you would also wander into the office half an hour late. And you might be thinking, well, no, you know, this is my free time. I'm relaxing now. Of course, I will be very punctual if I'm busy. Or if you say you'll do something or go somewhere and then don't do it. It's actually quite, you know, quite a serious thing in Switzerland. And I kind of underestimated that. Mm. I think also say things like sometimes I forget my keys for work. And then, you know, I go to the, the house dienst and borrow a key. And my daughter told me probably the other people that work there, if they forget their key, they'll just go home and get it because it would be too <laughs> shameful to have to go and admit it to the house. Dienst. You know, and that's something. That, and I've seen other um, other foreigners do the same thing as me. You know, we just think, of course, you can forget things. It's normal to forget mm. things. But it seems local people, I, I tend to say local people rather than Swiss because we've got all the things, who's really got a Swiss passport? But people who have grown up here, they learn in primary school never to forget anything. Mm. You know, it's so strict and they get black marks for forgetting things. So it does become <sighs> well, second nature. <laughs>
1: my kids are about to go to local school, so they're going to have a shocker when they find out about um, black marks for forgetting things. Yeah, well, I
0: think the, the key thing is to push it back to them, that mm. they remember and they do it. And my 12-year-old, I think I've got this kind of early in the book, uh, one of my daughters, Fiona, when she was 12 and she had swimming, she made a list the night before of everything she needed for swimming, like, you know, the comb and the conditioner and all the stuff. And I was impressed with that because she's quite similar to me. And I know at 12, I was always forgetting things at school. I left, you know, books from school. I forgot to take home, couldn't do my homework, books from home. I didn't take back into the school. I was always in trouble at that age. You know, it's just that age when your brain's a building site but mm. she kind of did the the Swiss thing I thought okay in the morning I'll be rushed I'll probably you know not remember everything so she sat and she made her little post-it note and stuck it up on the door frame <laughs> so when she got up in the morning it was there and she was you know to just she to make sure every last you know any no, last black thing. Marks
1: against
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Now You mentioned the things you learned from your husband but your daughters are multicultural you know they have but how much have you learned from them because of the experience they had growing up and how they've kind of, like you mentioned, how they've kind of learned to live in this culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume that's all they've known, but mm-hmm. still, that's it's right. it's their yeah. mm-hmm. just as a kid growing up learning mm-hmm. how to live. I mean, mm-hmm. have you got a lot of things maybe mm-hmm. for the books or just personally from from your daughters?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say what has really interested me a lot is how they have learned to be independent. You know, and the school promotes that. Mm-hmm and they learn to take responsibility for themselves, get themselves organised, do their own homework, make, you know, make their own choices. I think that's been the, the main thing that I noticed. I also wrote a book about the school system, Going Local, Your Guide to Swiss Schooling. That's one that came out in 2012, and that's much more on the school system, but also the culture of it and the values and, and, and the attitudes there. Um, yeah, I think I've learned they're, they're quite different in their personalities. So I've learned from both of them. But the things that stick out, I have to say, are like when both of them went through a phase when they found that I laughed too loud as a foreign (laughs) woman. And in my family, I realized my mum and my mum's sister and cousins, they go, (laughs) it's a really loud laugh. And they found that. Deeply embarrassing. And one of my daughters were standing in the co-op and I did my loud laugh at the checkout for whatever reason before it was my turn to be served. I said, Mum, would you shut up? They'll hear you away at the back of the shop at the wine. You know That was just so terrible. And it was equal at that time to wearing my woolly hat in the winter because that was all, you know, it was that age. So the other daughter, when her turn came to complain about the laugh, is okay, so how am I supposed to laugh? And she said, Well, Swiss mums, they laugh into their shoulder like this and she did a (laughs) with her mouth (laughs) bent down to her right shoulder. So I was for that I heard that you know when they were teenagers, and that was about you know 15 years ago. So then I checked it with them again. I checked and I checked it with Fiona's friend, and I said to Fiona's friend, "Your mum's Dutch. Does she laugh too loud?" Goes, "Yeah, mega. You know, she really <laughs>, laughs loud." And I said, "Does your dad laugh loud?" "Oh yeah." but it was a different reaction you know it was oh, like so Kate um, has to laugh loud absolutely so it was a it was a kind of a gender thing and yeah. i checked it with some secretaries once and they said the secretary should never laugh louder than the boss <laughs> so these were kind of in, insider things and yeah. um, and it comes out very well in teenagers, I mean, teenagers hate their parents speaking German or Swiss German. Right. If they're foreign, they can't stand the embarrassment. You know, so many yes. things that anything you do that's different. But that, that's when it kind of flushes out all the things that you're doing wrong, <laughs> in inverted commas. That's quite that's quite funny.
1: There you go. I think uh, I'm going to be in a bit of trouble then with my laughing because uh, I also have a, a loud laugh. So <laughs> Just another thing to add to the things of embarrassing my mm. children with.
0: Mm-hmm. The, the thing that's good when you have teenagers, they like your house to be messy. Because uh, Fiona used to, come, oh yeah, Fiona used to come in and say, um, you know, when I see all the ironing you've done kind of piled up in the piano, it makes me feel really loved. And thought, like, what? <laughs> it's a sign of me loving her that I've ironed her clothes. Oh, golly, you know. I suppose it's, in Scotland, it would be, you know, you cook me my favourite dinner and I feel loved. But the idea of ironing, because ironing <laughs> to me was like, it should really be an optional extra, but I have to force myself here because yeah. we didn't have a tumbler. You know, and the tumbler kind of shakes the stuff out. So there was that. And. I think just the... You know, the desire for you to be around at lunchtime, that was quite a pressure even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now that's changed, at least in Baselstadt, you've got um, the whole the and you've yeah. got this daycare all day, which is very valuable. We didn't, yeah. you know, Fiona was 13 before she had lunch at school.
1: Wow, so it actually wasn't even that, 10 years is not that long ago that, no, uh, no. you know, mums, mm-hmm. you know, well, it, it was, was mainly mums' for- respect. Uh, 14 years
0: ago, my younger daughter started having lunch at school. So we'd had 15 years when I needed to be in at lunch. Time or organizing someone else or asking someone else to, wow. uh, you know, it's not it's not long ago. And I think this tagger structure tour thing really only started maybe eight ten years ago. Not sure, not that long ago.
2: So I'm curious to to the answer in this question because I I've had this conversation with my wife, and you know, you move to a place like this, and you know with the the cultural differences the language differences you know you, you you sometimes struggle to fit in um but it it still f- becomes a place where you really enjoy living and you really are happy with where you are uh in the world right you're very happy to live in switzerland going back you think about going back and you're like i don't know i don't really have a home there but this isn't quite home right so you're kind of yeah, in between yeah i'm interested kind of for you culture, i mean yeah. you grew up in scotland um But now you've had such this 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 rich life here in Switzerland. I mean, do you when someone asks, you know, where you're from? I mean, is it is it a difficult question for you or you how do you kind of answer those kinds of questions?
0: I, mean, I would say that's my heritage. I am from Scotland. I mean, I'm f- fascinated about this whole Brexit thing. I'm watching mm, British sure. TV more than I ever did, so I can see that, you know, that's connected with my, my origins. I was 26 when I came here. Um, I don't feel I am Swiss. I mean, I have Swiss passport, Swiss nationality. Mm-hmm. But I think there comes a point when you start to see your community or the people that are reflecting back to you who you are, is other people in the same kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Who have also left maybe the same country or another similar country, and they've got some values from that other place, and they've got um, they're taking on the values of the new place without even noticing it. Maybe I laugh more quietly. I don't know. <laughs> <You> know <laughs> but I'm organised. Yeah. I forget my keys less than I used to. Um, I don't know. I think. I think in the end you it's like a kind of a subculture because one of the the very important things i think is and this goes on forever you're just always away from people you love very much who love your kids for example and want to see them growing up and can't and how you manage that and then we've got this whole climate thing going on now that you know we have to take this very seriously and we are the people that need planes more than everybody else i mean everybody else can go to berlin for their weekends or edinburgh whatever but we actually need to fly somewhere to to get Mm. to see family again and somehow the other people struggling with the same things then become the people that you really engage with with these issues so Mm -hmm. it's like a a separate kind of um subculture that you're in and in some ways you're you're connecting well with the people from the home country but in other ways they're finding you a bit a bit odd (laughs) (laughs) because you've you know you've lived in switzerland for a while and you're changing and then maybe even the way you eat or something or, you know, you you want your child to be able to walk down the street and it's only going, no, 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 you know. There'll be paedophiles around or whatever. Um, And then on the other hand, you you know, you're back in Switzerland and you've got something from the old culture that maybe, you know, you just want uh, hot drinks like tea and coffee to be flooding into your body all day long or something, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's, I think the answer for me lies a bit in having people that you get close to who have a bit, similar experiences, including having a heritage somewhere else and mm-hmm. an everyday life in a, in a different place that, that you've got used to it. Mm-hmm.
2: Have you gotten much uh, feedback from the, actual, the the locals, as you call them, about your books? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it's, it's a lot meant for, for us English speakers, but mm-hmm. what about the other mm-hmm. side? Mm-hmm. What about? I think it
0: sold very well in the local community. And a lot of people said it was like holding a mirror up to your face that you're reading something that you right. didn't know it was worth writing about. In fact, I've got a quote in this book from a young guy who has to be at work at seven every morning and um, it's a company, they make wooden buildings. And they have to be at work by seven in the morning, all hundred of them in the company. And I wrote about all this in my book and he says, I mean, I don't know why you're putting that in the book. It's yeah. not really worth mentioning. But I said, well, you know, that's quite interesting. You've all got to be at work by seven o'clock in the morning, you know, in Canton Bern somewhere. Um, so I think local people found it interesting to read the things that they knew and some things they didn't know. Um, I think that was quite uh so it's quite important to them as well, and of course, if they're working or travelling abroad, it helps them to understand what's actually going on. For example, I'm in the US, and um, it might not occur to Swiss people that it would be good if they would contribute to a good atmosphere by making casual conversation, you know, but, you know, just being chatty, and you're actually sort of warming, warming up the atmosphere together with the way you chat, and they might not be familiar with that.
1: So that's so actually the book kind of works for two groups of people Mm -hmm, it works mm -hmm. for expats who come to switzerland and it also works for people who Swiss and, uh, and are mm-hmm. going to go and live somewhere else absolutely yeah. absolutely. that's awesome yep. and
0: especially with and there's quite a funny story of some young people in Costa Rica that get invited by some other people on the beach to join them for a drink at 7 o'clock so they rush home get a shower go to this beach cafe at 7 o'clock and nobody comes so at 7.15 they say useless yeah. foreigners yeah. and then they go away <laughs> you know and these other people may be turned up at 8 yeah. or 7.30 but you know the, the Swiss were kind of going well that's 10 past they're not here yet how rude <laughs> on holiday yeah. in Costa Rica you know yeah. So I think that's that's quite important for them to know as well. Yeah.
2: So, can you tell us when the new Beyond Chocolate is available? It's and actually where? out. Okay.
0: My, my copy somewhere in the post or maybe it's in my letterbox as I talk to you, <laughs> but I've okay. been told by uh, by the editor that it's arrived. It is out now, and it will be it, it will be arriving in Basel, Biedern, or or Olfosli. You can order it directly from Ber- Berkeley. I think they send it out post free to Switzerland, everywhere in Switzerland. And there will be a launch party for it in Bieder & Tanner Bookshop in Basel, Bankenplatz, on the 29th of April at
2: 7.30. And how can people find out information about that?
0: It's in Facebook if you um, type in...
2: Facebook, never heard of it.
0: (laughs) Um, What is it? The expat is dead. Long live the expat. So if in Facebook you type in the expat is dead you can then sign up. Great. It's really just for the apparel for the drinks party, to, for Bede and Tanner to know how many to for. There will be for. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> me. i
2: want to go sign up right now. Well, Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and it's, the book is called The New Beyond Chocolate. Yes. Uh, available, uh, like you said, bookstores, bergley.ch. So yep, exactly. go That's check good. it out. Okay. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. You're late.
1: Thank you, Margaret, for that interview. Now, if you did miss the date or the name of it, Margaret is doing an event at um, Bitter & Tanner on the 29th of April, and that's in Basel, and there's going to be a panel there and everything as well as some nibbles and some drinks if you uh, fancy some Prosecco. So you can head to Basel at... um, at the Beta Antenna, which is on uh, Bank Varine.
2: Bank Varine stop.
1: Yeah. yeah, so that is on the 29th of April. And the way you can uh, kind of add your interest to attending that is going to the Facebook page, The Expat Is Dead long live the expat that's the name of the event now at the panel they're going to have margaret's going to be there so you can get her book you can get it signed you can i'm sure she'll write you a little love note in there if you want there's also going to be ann parkin the foundations for learning head the benjamin russell head of communications uh for he's the he is at Roche. he's from Roche. Mm-hmm. head of communications at Roshi. I'm, I'm sure he can speak better than I can. I hope so. Yeah. And lastly, uh, a researcher at, from University of Basel, Dr. Metka Herkog. So there you go. I'm not sure if Dr. Metka is a male or female, so I am not going to say he or she will be there. So yeah, check it out. That will be a fun event.
2: Yeah, and uh, real quickly, just a quick shout out to Jonathan Martin, who runs the Facebook page a Shopshire lad in Switzerland, uh, give that page a follow for a bunch of uh, just great English news about Switzerland and uh, what's going on, he also does one for all of Europe, so it uh, kind of helps you stay in the loop, so it's a great follow, and uh, I know I said it wrong, so I apologize, but uh, Schwapshire doesn't have a W in it, I don't know.
1: You, I mean Susie knows how
2: to spell it. This is the
1: first time in many many months where you've been willing to actually do the shout out to Jonathan. So well done, don. Thank
2: you. I'm I'm trying to grow awesome. as a podcaster.
1: I've got something that that will um, you know, help you to grow because you're a big scaredy cat, right? You you you'd, you'd, you'd Perce- agree with that? Yes. You you don't like heights or things that go fast or things that crawl full stop <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> um and you'll be very happy about this but i do think you need to grow and embrace the insects in the world and the snakes and everything uh, a suspicious package was stopped before it reached switzerland guess what was in it dun 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 tarantulas
2: Oh, yeah, a box of tarantulas, tarantulas.
1: So they were seized by German custom officers, but their final destination, they they were seized in Germany, but they were, they were due to make it to Switzerland. So there was at least three tarantula species within this box of tarantulas that are protected species. So they shouldn't be transporting them in the post like that. That's, you know, it's it's a big no-no.
2: These German border officials are the heroes we all need and the heroes we all deserve. Yeah, I mean, as Thank much as you.
1: as much as I actually personally like tra- tarantulas, I uh like, yeah, we shouldn't be sending tarantulas in the post. These ones are dead. What
2: does it do you... Okay, but I've seen Jurassic Park. Just because they're dead doesn't mean they're gone. And second of all, what 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 is it? What do you like? How do you like something that disgusting and hairy and gross and uh. deadly.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. I just like them. Spiders are cool. Oh, I mean, I don't want to wake up with one next to me, but you know, they're cool. But these were these are like dead spiders on display, what you'd see in a museum or uh, you know that sort of thing. So somebody ordered them from Russia. They'd been packed and dried in plastic containers, but it also had a rare butterfly. The guy was charged with conservation and tax violations. The guy that ordered them, the Swiss guy. So, naughty.
2: Yes. Throw the book at him. Swiss government. Get him. There you go. Get disgusting tarantulas in this country. Keep them out.
1: These are are dry. These are like, you know, these are not going to hurt you.
2: No, it just encourages other tarantulas to be like, oh, yeah, I want to go see my cousin Dave. Go visit him. Yeah. And then he's going to end up in my apartment and i'm going to not be happy
1: yeah that's the problem you think those little house spiders that you see they're not little they are they're not like tarantulas they're the exact same size bodies and huge legs and they're big and they eat birds some of them yeah some of them eat birds did you know that some spiders can eat a whole bird
2: the reason i like that pen so much (laughs) okay is it's very it's very smooth. It's it writes very smooth. That's true. As does. for a ballpoint pen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it doesn't look like a spider.
1: It's black like a, like a tarantula. Here, have your pen back. I don't want to hear any more about it.
2: <laughs> yes, got my pen back. Yes, success. There you go. All right, I don't want to talk about spiders anymore. I really don't. Okay. I really, really don't. So this I, thing. I
1: was going to like give you some spider facts, but but let's not do that.
2: Yeah, let's not do that. We're okay. we're good. Um, so the interesting thing about moving here to Switzerland and, this, and, and living in kind of the northern German speaking area, you have Basel and Zurich, right? Big cities, and I visited Zurich a lot, and obviously lived in Basel a couple of years. And I've noticed like the the public transportation so good. If you live in these cities in, in and generally large portions of areas of these cities, you really don't need a car, right? You God. could you could. Get away without having a car.
1: Yeah, many people do.
2: Maybe burn to an extent, but I, I haven't been there that much. But I've noticed, like when I've been to Geneva, like it's a very car-heavy area. Or if you go other areas, like south areas of of Switzerland, cars are a lot more prevalent. I feel right, especially like in Geneva.
1: I'm gonna be honest with you. I have never given it a single thought.
2: Okay, I think about this <laughs> stuff because I I just. It's how my brain works. Um, so on Swissinfo.ch, there are, uh, overall Switzerland, there are more people driving cars than who use the train and bus, which I thought was a little odd because I guess my thinking is in my small world here in Basel, seems like more people on a day-to-day basis use buses and trains and trams than they do cars.
1: Right, but even Basel still has a lot of cars. Zurich, too. It does,
2: yeah. It just felt a lot more in, in Geneva. Like, yeah. It felt a lot more. But anyway, so people living in the western and southern Switzerland are using public transport m- much less frequently than counterparts in the north. So this proportion has been about the same for 10 years, but they say uh, considering total kilometers traveled, public transport has accounted for about 19% of all travel since 2005. The figure for cars is just over 73%. Public transport bosses say that by 2040 about 10 million people will be living in Switzerland and with space at a premium, it's vital to achieve the right balance between public transport and road traffic. So the the 25 or 2070 thing is not they want that a little more equal i guess
1: yeah it's a big difference
2: it is a big difference like i'm surprised that many people use cars i feel, i i thought that number of 73% would be lower in in all of switzerland
1: yeah i, I drive when it's raining Do you? <laughs> yeah i'm a fair weather driver
2: maybe it's because or i a bad
1: weather driver not a fair i'm a fair weather trans uh, public transport user
2: are you yes yeah, but you have bikes too, and and if
1: also fair weather.
2: This doesn't take into account the bikers because there's a I've se- I've noticed the people who are like they bike everywhere.
1: Yeah, there's some people that bike no matter what the weather. Yeah, mine not... mine gathers dust in the in the winter. <laughs> like, I need to pull mine out, dust it off, pump the wheels up. Yeah, ready for it's still not warm enough for me to ride my bike.
2: But see, you came from a country that's like. I know you, this is hard for you to hear. That's like America, mm. because you guys drive everywhere in Australia. Right. The car is. Everybody has a car, pretty mm-hmm. much.
1: Yeah, uh, but also same in England. I mean, you know.
2: Okay, but isn't it drive. isn't it liberating to come somewhere where you don't have to drive your car every day?
1: I love not driving my car.
2: Isn't it wonderful? Even when it's raining, just put it put a raincoat on it give you an excuse to go out and buy a cool raincoat i I made
1: the impression that if it's raining outside that i leave the house (laughs) you know i'm not driving because i'm not leaving the house yeah i I stay indoors when it's raining (laughs) snowing (laughs) if it's windy i stay inside cloudy cloudy yeah yeah yeah
2: so it's got to be complete sun and it's got to be 27 degrees 27 degrees yeah so That's why you,
1: you had to come here to to my house <laughs> to do the podcast. It's, it's only 20 degrees outside. Can't leave.
2: Can't do that. Yeah. And the funny thing is because of the magic of podcasting, we're talking now, but really you are in Australia right now where it's probably right. like 30 degrees and I'm sunny. I'm
1: in Australia right now.
2: What do you think you're doing right now? You think you're um, eating one of those sugar donuts? And... Probably.
1: I'm probably having a hot cinnamon donut, yeah. Yeah. Um, I might be... Um, there's a possibility I could be at the beach, but I wouldn't be in the water. It won't be hot enough for me. Definitely not. Okay. Uh, but my kids might be, I might be like experience Australia, get in the water. You might get stung by a jellyfish. Do it. They might be crying. Don't make me go in the water. It's too cold. And I'll be telling them they should.
2: Okay. And will there any be any shrimp on any Barbies?
1: Um, Hmm. Good question. Nah. Probably mm-hmm. not. It's not really barbecue weather.
2: Mm. Yeah. Is it going to be hot though? It's going to be hot. No, sum- isn't it
1: summertime? I was saying to somebody today, so the spring in Australia is kind of like autumn in Switzerland. Like it's not... Oh, right. I, it's I, done, I mean, It's I not mean,
2: summertime anymore. It's done, right? Um, Your summer's done in Australia. Sorry,
1: the other way around. It's autumn in Australia. Okay. So it's like the same degrees here as what it is here in spring. It's not like ex- excessively hot, but it's not uh, like... Okay cold it's a little i mean when i was growing up in in new south wales it was kind of windy during autumn a lot i don't know that's how i remember it anyway windy
2: is it is it weird for you like like okay for me the way my brain works is like every when august rolls around i always get this like i think back to like back in high school, which meant I had to start going to football practice, which meant two a days, which meant hot, miserable, just August sucked. And then as I got my job, it also meant the start of football season, which meant my, you know, work life was going to get a lot busier. I was going to start traveling. Like it was going to be, so like I had these feelings like around like, like August of like, but is it mess with you now? Because like, it's flipped so like now spring is march april may where it's usually autumn or like winter is different times does that
1: i know what you're saying and i and i and i guess a little bit but i've been out of australia for so long that um not really however my birthday is in october which is spring in australia okay so i definitely always miss that i'm always like this is not spring weather okay <laughs> it's raining again
2: okay so
1: that sucks but the biggest difference the only time i really think about it is at christmas because at christmas it's summer you know? so for
2: you yeah christmas is like warm weather and- so
1: something that me and my sister used to do before i left for for england was on boxing day we used to go to the movies and the, the place would be empty no one would be there but we would, we would always uh Pick a movie, we'd go to the movie, it'd be so hot that like being at the movies was kind of like killing two birds with one stone. We Mm -hmm. got to see a new film because they came came out on on Boxing Day Mm -hmm. and um, we we got to sit in an air-conditioned room for a few (laughs) hours. So that's, you know, that I have fond memories of doing that. But, you know, obviously nobody, A, wants to go to the movies with me on Boxing Day (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. B, it's not cold so it doesn't have the same... Oh, sorry it's not hot so it doesn't have, see i'm I mean, i'm confusing yeah, myself see, you're already
2: confusing yourself
1: uh it's not hot so there's no point going anyway because part of the half of the reason was like it's so hot where can we go that's cool
2: yeah god man i love i don't get people needing to have a white christmas i love that when
1: that's because you had up, white christmases no i
2: know but like growing up when we went and did like florida at christmas time it was awesome
1: yeah, I hot summer, uh, hot Christmases are great. Yeah, they're yes, wonderful. I agree. Everyone should adopt hot Christmases. Yes. Don't you think?
2: I totally agree.
1: We just change it to August. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's official. There. It, it, August twenty fifth. From 25th. now on, you have to celebrate Christmas in August. It's a, none of this Christmas in July rubbish. Let's have it in August.
2: Oh yeah, July would make a little more sense because it's.
1: We've committed to it now.
2: Shoot. All right. Well, that's uh, we got to get shopping. Yes, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost Christmas it's time. It's May. I mean, come on. All right. Well, I hope you're enjoying uh, Australia as we talk. And uh, I'm glad we could still come to you, still have a podcast this week, even though Easter is coming up. Um, and, yeah. Thanks. So have a safe trip back.
1: Thanks. And thanks for listening to this episode. Again, thank you again.
2: Yes, Great. as and also uh, quickly, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has rated us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, please do the anybody who hasn't please do leave comments. Uh, we are also on other social media or yeah, all the social media channels anywhere you could find podcasts. Uh, go download, leave reviews, good, even the bad ones. I don't care. We but, can handle it. Maybe.
1: Wow. Probably not. But we'll we'll read it and then we'll decide whether we can handle it.
2: Thanks for everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: See you later.